Hello, welcome to the Apostolic Church International Virginia Central Assembly with our head pastor, Samuel Ampong. We hope you enjoy today's service. May God bless you. Bible nicely, and I want you to repeat this after me. Say, this is the word of God. Say, I love it. This morning, I'm well prepared to hear from God from his word holy spirit speak to me let the entrance of your word bring light to me in the name of jesus slap it on your chest and say i love to hear the word of god amen stand stand keep standing and let's pray father we thank you we bless you for pay attention father we thank you we bless you for your word this morning let your grace be available unto us. We pray the Holy Spirit to give us the heart to receive the anointing Lord to tap into the truth that you are about to reveal. I present myself to you Lord just as a vessel in your hands that you will use me today to administer this spiritual food that is so important for the development of the soul. I pray Lord grant me the utterance and give us the grace also God to be receptive to what you are bringing thank you Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Amen please take your seat in God's presence Amen this morning I am sharing with you on a topic behold the Lamb of God. Behold. When somebody says behold, it simply means look in amazement. It means there is something that is so amazing that has been revealed. But he said, just look at this amazing thing. So John is the one who made this important statement, which we'll read later. And he said it to the people of Israel one time when he was baptizing people at the bank of River Jordan. And he saw Jesus coming and he said, Behold, behold the Lamb of God. Now, let me give you a little background of this. In the history of Israel, we all know that God made a covenant with Abraham. That And the covenant has about three different stages. One concerning Abraham himself. And the other concerning his family. And the third part is the entire world. Praise God. God says, I will bless you, Abraham. And I will bless your descendants. And through you and your descendants, I will bless the entire human race. And not only a blessing, but also relate to salvation. That God will use Abraham... That through him, the Messiah will come and then the world at large will be saved. So over the years, Israel was expecting to see the Messiah. So they had different leaders to lead a nation. One time, they had judges leading the nation. At another time, God moved from judges to what we call the kings. The kings also led the nation. And then it got to a time where everything you know, was destroyed by the Romans because the Roman Empire took over Israel and they started leading Israel. 
But whilst Rome was leading Israel, Israel was in expectation that one of these days, there will be a fulfillment of the prophecies that the fathers gave concerning the coming of the Messiah. So they've been looking forward to the Messiah all these years, and then Jesus coming into the scene. And John presenting Jesus to them that this is the Messiah. But John's presentation makes sense to the ordinary person in society, but to the religious leaders, they were confused about it. They couldn't embrace John's revelation concerning this boy called Jesus, who was born in their midst, living amongst them, and going around with them. They never saw him as such. For you all know that from the first 30 years of his Jesus, he was doing nothing. He was just a carpenter's son, learning carpentry and becoming a carpenter. This is the life he was leading. There was nothing extraordinary about this young boy. Then John coming into the scene, and we all knew that John was popular because John was born with unique ministry. It's an enviable one, the one to introduce God to his world. What an opportunity. That God coming into his own world, then you are the one that has been ordained to introduce God to his own world. So people thought John could be the Messiah. So many times they went to John asking him, tell us whether you are the Messiah. Messiah means the savior that is coming. Not only to save Israel from Rome, but also to give the kingdom of God, which will take over the entire world, to Israel because that is what the Israelites believe and that is what the scripture says that when the Messiah comes he will establish his throne in Israel Jerusalem and he will rule over Israel and then after that his kingdom will spread abroad and he will take over the entire world and rule which is the government of God coming back into the world so Israel was looking forward to it and John saying this about Jesus and then the religious leaders their interpretation to the scriptures they couldn't factor Jesus into it they feel like Jesus does not qualify based on interpretation that they were given to the prophetic words that were given over the years but one thing is sure that when the Messiah comes there are certain things he needs to do but before we get to that point let me bring your attention to the creation of man when God created us, he created us in perfect state. We were made to be like God and that is who we were. We were living as such. And so one time God told the man in the garden that please do not touch this thing. Do not touch this tree. The tree is the knowledge of good and of evil. Do not touch it. Neither do you eat from it. So according to Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 to 17, that was made. That, and the Lord God commanded the man saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day, in the day that thou eatest, thereof thou shalt surely die. The very day you touch it and eat from it, you will die. To die means you will be separated from your source. You will be disconnected from me. So life will no longer flow through me into you. Every good thing you are getting from me will be disconnected. You will become yourself and you will be governed by self. 
And that which you allow is that which will dominate your life. And the devil came into the scene, deceived man, and man heeded to the voice of the devil and disobeyed the word of God. That is what the Bible tells us. Rebellion, going against God's will. And we mentioned it several times in this house. But sin is not only when you fornicate or when you lie. Sin simply means going against God's will. So even though what you are doing may be right in the sight of men, in actual fact it's sin because it is contrary to the will of God at that time. So it is important anytime you are doing something, you check whether this is God's will or not. It has nothing to do with what we have branded. The reason why fornication, lie, adultery, and all those things are considered sin is because they are all against God's will. Praise God. So, it is not only that. And last week, I think we mentioned, okay, we had praise and worship Sunday, so we couldn't talk about that. But we learned something in the second service that sin is a going against God's will. And sometimes, one of the snares that beset us as believers is what we call good intention. Good intention. It is not every good intention that is God's will. So when you are working with God, put aside good intention and ask, it is the will of God. We give example. There are some people in the church, they take their ties and they send it to Africa. They think that we are in the US and we can manage it. They disperse their own ties. Do you know that in sin? You have no right to disperse tithes. Tithes disbursement is not your responsibility. The Bible says, bring ye all the tithes to the storehouse. Where is the storehouse? The storehouse is the place where you fellowship. You consider yourself as a member. Where you receive your spiritual nourishment. Where your spiritual covering is. When you are in trouble, who do you call? The pastor of this church. Because you know that you are a member of this church. So if you take your tithes and your offerings and you send it to Africa, it is called sin. You will never be blessed. Because it is against divine order. You can pay your tithe. If your tithe is $100 and you give it to the church here. And you give the church in Ghana or any group in Ghana $10 million, That is what we call free will given. Do it. But your tithes must be brought to the storehouse. The place where you consider as your spiritual home. It is the spiritual law. Praise God. At the right time we will explain that. But just for an example. So we are learning that God said, don't touch it. Don't eat it. And they ate it. And something happened. So in Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 to 19, God now coming into the scene and said, and unto Adam he said, when God came and realized that they have eaten from that, God said unto them, he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and has eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Curse is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Tongues also and tassels, mark that two words. Tongues and tassels shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it was thou taken, and for the dust thou art, and unto dust thou return. These are the sayings of God. It is considered as what? Curse. It means ill pronouncement. Ill pronouncement. God says, because of your attitude, because of the stand you've taken, this will be your state. 
So now I want to bring my attention to something. So anybody who comes into the scene purposely to say that I am the savior of mankind, there are certain things that savior must be able to achieve for us. And today I want to prove to you from the scriptures why Jesus is the only savior. So that wherever you stand, you can be proud of that and defend your faith. Because we have many religions around the world and they all claim to be true religion and they are saying that they are leading men to God. But I want you to know that no religion on earth can be considered like Christian religion. The Christian religion is the true religion because Jesus is the only one who was able to meet all the needs that required for man's restoration and man's salvation. So I want to bring attention to a few of them. When the Savior comes, there are certain things he must meet. Number one, the Savior must be anointed. He must be the anointed one. Now, to be anointed simply means that you've been set apart for specific assignment. That is the word anointed. To be anointed, the meaning of the word anointing, anointing is to set one apart for a specific assignment. So Jesus was, must be, the Savior must be the anointed one, which means that that person must be ordained by God himself. He must be set apart for that. Two, he should be able to deal with sin, the root of man's problem. The Savior must be able to deal with sin because sin is the problem. Everything that we are going through in this world is as a result of sin. Sin is a curse. When sin enters into your life, it destroys every good thing in you and it reduces you to nothing. And it makes you an enemy of God. That is the power of sin. Three, he should take the curses upon man. We see, man, curse has been placed on us. For us to be free, the Messiah should be able to take that curse and set us free from the curse. The next one is that he should, for he should satisfy God's anger. God became angry. The anger of God was upon man because man has messed up God's purpose. God's intention has been messed up and there is a need for that to be taken care of. God must be okay with us. God must take his anger from us. And then the other one, he should deliver man from death. The greatest enemy. The savior must be able to deliver us from death. Not only that, he is to restore the relationship between God and man. If anybody comes into the scene as a savior, he should be able to do this. And seven, he is to restore man back to his original state. In other words, this, the Savior should be able to bring us back to the original intention that God created us for. If anybody come into the scene as a Savior, as a religious leader, and is not able to do these things for man, he is not. But this morning, I want you to know that Jesus fulfilled all these things. And all the others. And that is what I want to show you this morning. Number one, he dealt with sin. Now, when you read John chapter number 1, verse 29 to 34, it said, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me cometh a man who is 
preferred before me, for he was before me, I did not know him, but that he but that he should be revealed to Israel. Listen to this part. Therefore, I came baptizing with water, and John bore witness, saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you will see the spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Hallelujah. So John is saying, this is what I saw. John presented Jesus as a lamb because lamb in Israel is the most expensive animal. Now, there is a difference. The lamb is the baby of sheep. Okay? It is the, what can you say? We would say maybe, it's, it's like the baby. Not too baby, but it's like a year old lamb, a, a sheep. Now, that animal is very expensive because one, it is pure. Two, it's virgin. Because it's very young. And that is what they use for the most serious and important sacrifices. So John saying to the people of Israel that this is the Lamb of God. It presents to them that this is the one that has been set aside without any blame and without any defect. To be presented to pay the price of sin. So Jesus came into this world specifically ordained by God to pay for our sins. And that is why he has to die the death of a sinner. He died that kind of death to represent us. It is our death. Or it was our death. But he died what we have to die. That is why he died for us to live. Jesus died for you. He did not die for himself. He did not die to pay for his sins. He died to pay. Why? Because let me tell you one thing about life. And God, as you're working with God, pay attention to these things. When God speaks, it becomes a law. Listen to this carefully. When God speaks, it becomes a law. And we have a king in this house, so he understands this better. And I say, when the king speaks, he cannot reverse it. It has to be fulfilled. That is how kingdom operates. Kings are not political leaders. Biden can say something and change his mind. And find a way to twist it. Praise God. But when it comes to... Please, please be quick. When it comes to the king... When it comes to the king... It is important we pay attention to this. King speaks and their words are... Established. Please look at this place. Don't allow the distractions with all due respect. Or just be smart on that. When we take the child, speed up so that it doesn't create distraction in the front. Amen. We can't, they are children, so don't worry about them. But make sure you don't create distractions here. Thank you very much. So it is important we understand that. That kings, when they speak, it becomes what? Laws. And you cannot reverse it, it can only be what? Fulfilled. So when God said anyone who sinned or the man that sinned would die, God cannot change his mind. Even though he loves us, 
man must die. And for man to die, when, so by that time man died, spiritually man was separated. Now for man to be brought back, the man cannot save himself. Because the man is a sinner. So he doesn't qualify to pay for his own sin. So God needed to provide himself in the form of a man to come and take our place and die for us. Angels couldn't die for us because they don't fit our nature. So God has to put on flesh and come. It was one of the most challenging things ever happened in history where the God who occupies all space, who is in the heavens and who is so powerful that he cannot be boxed, but he boxed himself into a womb of a woman purposely to take flesh upon himself to walk on the face of the earth to suffer the suffering of his subjects and to pay the price they couldn't pay. This is what Jesus came to do. To pay for your sin and my sin. One of the things that proved that Jesus is the Messiah. Two, he is the anointed one. Now the anointed, Jesus said in Luke chapter 4 verse 18 to 19, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Listen to what he says. Because he had anointed me to preach. In other words, he has set me apart. He has what? Set me apart. He has distinguished me from the people. He has staged me at a different position. And the reason is because to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, the word gospel is a good news. Why? The bad news was received when man sinned. God said you would die. Curse is placed on you. That was a bad news. It means you are losing your estate and you are becoming nothing. You are bring, you have brought yourself lower than where you're supposed to be. You have become a subject even to the devil because of your disobedience. But Jesus was sent to bring a good news. The good news is that now God has made provision. There is a news that counter the first news you receive. The first news you will die. But there is a good news. The good news is that God is come here on earth to take your place. To pay for the price you couldn't pay. To deal with the problems you couldn't deal with. And to take care of the needs that you couldn't provide for yourself. He has sent someone. The anointed one. Jesus said to preach the gospel to the poor. Because man is poor now. Not only that, also send me to heal the brokenhearted. Our hearts were broken. To preach deliverance to the captives. The devil and sin took us captive. We became slaves to sin. Even though we know what is right, we couldn't do it. We were tilted towards sin. We have no control. We have become what slaves to sin and to the devil. But Jesus came to preach deliverance. That we might be free. He continues saying. And to recovering of sight to the blind. Now this is not only relating to physical blindness. He's talking about spiritual blindness. Because we couldn't see God. We couldn't connect. So spiritually we were blind. We were not seeing from God's perspective. We were seeing things from our natural point of view. But when you walk in the flesh, you will die. It is those who walk in the spirit, they will live forever. So Jesus needed to come. So he was the anointed one. The third one is, 
He dealt with the case. The third one, he dealt with the case. Now see how he dealt with the case. Remember, when God pronounced the case, he made a statement in John chapter 3. He says that the earth will produce tongues and tassels. Tongues and tassels. Pay attention to that. Now, tongues and tassels represent suffering and pain. Now, so in John, in the book of John chapter 19, verse 1 and 2, listen. He says, so then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him and the soldiers twisted a crown of tongues and put it on his head and they put on him a purple robe. It wasn't coincidence that they took tongues and twisted it and made it like a crown and fixed it on his head. Now that tongue on Jesus' head signifies that he has now taken the curse of man upon himself. The tongues is the symbol of curse. That is what the Bible says. He took our curses upon himself on the cross. So the one who do not know sin now became sins for us. And he became a curse. He took upon himself. So the curse of man was placed on Jesus. That is why when you come to Christ, the curse is broken. Anyone who believes in Jesus is set free from curse. You may go through difficult times, but that's not mean you are cursed. Because the curse is broken. What brought the curse? What brought the curse is sin. And once sin is dealt with, curse is broken. Jesus took care of that. So, if you have really believed in Jesus, you are not cursed. Are you not suffering? Yes. Are you not going through difficult times? Yes. Jesus went through difficult times. At a point in time, he had no place to sleep. But he was the son of God. At a point in time, he was hungry, no food. But he was the son of God. So Jesus said, in me, you face tribulations. As long as you are in this world, you face difficult times. But it does not mean that you are cursed. Praise God. But it means that life is not going to be easy for you. Because now, the world is against you. So you are living contrary to the desires of the world. And therefore, it will fight you back. Because the world wants to make sure that you lose your place in God. That is the agenda of the devil. So he will harass you here and there. He will be persistent in what he's doing. The Bible says, he would, the, it says, the Bible says that he will neither sleep nor slumber because of you. He said, he will not, he, 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 the Bible said that the devil does not sleep until he has caused somebody to fall. Until he has caused you to fall, he will never rest. So he continued to pursue. But that is why you have Christ as your savior and your deliverer. That is why you don't stop connecting to Jesus. You don't stop coming to Christ. You don't stop praying to him. You don't stop asking him for help. That is the most important prayer you need to make every day. That when you wake up in the morning, say, God, please help me with your spirit. To go through the day. To resist evil. To resist sin. To overcome the challenges of life. That is your prayer. But unfortunately, we wake up, we pray for bread. But bread has already been made available for us. We pray for material things. They are not bad. But pray more for strength. That is what you need to be able to go through the day. So Jesus dealt with the case. 
So it is one of the things that proves that Jesus is the Messiah. The third one is, the other one is, he satisfies God's anger. He satisfied God's anger. Now, the, God, the anger of God is represented in the Bible in a different thing. And I want to show you here in this scripture. It says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Pay attention to this statement. That the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I test. Now, leave this in there for me for some time. So, if you look at the construction, that it means originally Jesus wasn't testy. Listen to it carefully. It means he wasn't testy. But it says, for the scripture to be fulfilled, he said, I am testy. It means there is something that needs to be done to fulfill a scripture. What scripture is that? The scripture is the wrath of God that man has to drink. It was tough. It's so bitter that we cannot drink it. So he continued, he said, and now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with that wine, put it on his soap, and put it to his mouth to drink that bitter thing, which signifies that he has now drank the wrath of God. So that moment, God took his wrath from you. And he loved you. He took away his anger. So as you are seated, God is not angry. Because Jesus has taken care of that. God is not angry at you. Sometimes we feel like God is angry. No, God is not angry. He is there for you. Because Jesus took care of that. Hallelujah. Quick, so that we finish quick. He restored our relationship with God. That is important. So in Matthew 27, 46, says, And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabatani. That is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It was the moment of change. As the father took his eyes from the son, he placed his eyes on you. As the son was denied, that was when you were accepted. That was when you were reconciled back to your God. That is when you became one with God again. That is when your place was given to you back. In Jesus. This is what Jesus died for you. So you becoming one with God is as a result of the work Christ did on the cross. He did it for you. He was rejected so that we might be what? Accepted. That is why the Bible says, he says, without me, you can do nothing. Not only that, without him, we are nothing. And it's important we understand this. The next thing is that he dealt with death. Death. The greatest enemy of all. But listen to Revelation chapter 14 verse 13. It says, and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. The first time death was pronounced was a curse. But the last time death was mentioned in the Bible, the Bible says it's a blessing. What happened in between? One word, one time it was mentioned and it was a curse. 
But the next time the scripture speaks about it and he says it's a blessing. What makes him to become a blessing unto us? The Bible says that Jesus was in between that. He dealt with it and he paid the price. He went into the grave and he entered into the place of death and he took the keys of life from death and he rendered death powerless. So the Bible says for those who die in the Lord, a day is coming where we will hear the trumpet. Bible says when we hear the sound of the trumpet, we will rise from our graves as if we've never died. Beloved, so the believer, death here on earth is not separation from God, but death becomes a passage into your heavenly dwelling. That is what Paul said. I want to die. I want to, he said, to die is gain. How come to die is gain? Because now to die, he put it this way, I love it. He says, to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. So to us, death is not a threat. Death is a blessing. Do not be afraid to die. But what you must be afraid to do is to sin. Fear sin. Fear what? Listen, fear what? Sin is a great enemy. It would deprive you of every good thing God has destined for you. But it makes you an enemy of God. And not that, it, it, one thing that sin does, it positions you in the place of rebellion. Now, rebellion, the Bible says, is the sister of witchcraft. Okay? When you are rebellious, it's more dangerous than even being a witchcraft before. When you, are, when you indulge in sin, you and those who practice witchcraft, you are on the same platform. So, Work on yourself. The good news is that Jesus is always there to help. You see, when he ended everything, the Bible says he went to heaven. He did not go and sleep. He did not go and sit to eat and celebrate. He is at the place of authority. And what he's doing is interceding for you. He is urging you on. Come on. Keep coming. Keep coming. You can make it. Strive. You can make it. Overcome it. Keep coming. My son, you are coming. My daughter, you are coming. Even though life strains you, don't give up. Even though you are going through the pain, don't give up. Something awaits you. There is a blessing awaits you. Because I have paid for everything for you. You are entering into your rest. A place of abundance. A place of peace. Bible said there will be no sorrow. There will be no pain. All the things we see here, we will not see them. Neither will we experience them. So Jesus is edging you on. The last thing Jesus said on the cross was my favorite in John chapter 19 verse 30. Listen, he says, and so when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Say it, it is finished. It means everything pertaining to your salvation, he has done it. Everything pertaining to your restoration, he has done it. Everything pertaining to your blessing, he has done it. Everything to make you one with your father. He has made it. He has paid for everything. So you do not pay. That is why we call it grace. Grace simply means that somebody paying it for you to enjoy. Somebody paid the price 
But you are the one to enjoy it. That is called grace. And that's what the Bible says. We should not take grace for granted. Because it costs someone his... In fact, it costs God his own life. Today you are seated. And I'm standing here. And we claim to be God's children. It did not happen on a silver platter. It happened because God has to die. How come the eternal being has to maneuver and turn things around to die? How come the creator submitting and subjecting himself to his creation to kill him, to molest him? It is an expression of love and care. God loves you. He cares about you. He is not against you. He is for you. So when the world turns against you, know that God always will turn in favor of you. Rise to your feet. Rise to your feet. I want uh, him to be here and close your eyes and begin to talk to God at Jesus. These are the things that prove that Jesus is the only Savior. He is the only Messiah. He's the only one that has been accredited by God to save mankind. Nobody can save man. It's only Jesus. Today, if you are... Thank you for listening to the Apostolic Church International Virginia Central Assembly. If you have a prayer request, here is our pastor's number, 8572473209. Our location is 8002 Hot Court, Springfield, Virginia, 22150.